If you have your Bibles, open them with me. <laughs> open them with me and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Uh, and we're going to read verse 23. I'm going to read it first. And then I'm going to read verse 22. And I'm going to explain to you why. Because verse 23 is often an indication that alcohol is good for you. So here's what it says. This is Paul speaking. Uh, 1 Timothy 5.23 Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. And that's another... <laughs> Anyways, we're not going to talk about Timothy's frequent illnesses because that, that could be like a whole other uh, topic. Now, um, according to the notes that are attached to this scripture, we can be very much assured... Um, that this was not the intoxicating kind of wine. And I'm going to go back and I, so like I, I, like I said, I'm not, I didn't want to repeat a lot of stuff, but this is extremely important. So I'm going to read, uh, some notes just regarding, uh, um, the context and the definition of alcohol in, in the Bible. Okay. So here we go. One of the most common misconceptions surrounding the word wine, as it is used in the Bible is in thinking that it always refers to a fermented beverage. This is somewhat understandable since in our day and age, wine exclusively refers to an alcoholic drink. Stop there for a second. And I mentioned this last week. I teach a, a class in, 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 in GNU in, in our Bible school called hermeneutics, which is the study of Bible interpretation. And there's one very important rule that you have to employ when you study the Bible. You cannot read it with a, a 21st century understanding because the people were not in the 21st century, okay? We're talking about a, a, um, a, an extremely different culture. So if you're gonna read a verse like that and say, oh, well, he's talking about uh, uh, alcohol, you're not, you, you have to go in and study the background of things, study the context of things, get an understanding of what was happening in the culture, what was going on. By the way, water, water was not always good because water was, was very often, um, it made people sick because it wasn't very pure. Depending on the water source of where it was coming from, it's not, okay, well, of course you could argue our, our water isn't exactly great now either, but you know, you turn on the tap and the water's clear, uh, hopefully, depending on where you live, I guess. That wasn't the case a lot of the times. A lot of the times it was difficult to find fresh water. It was difficult to find pure water. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons, you know, there's a scripture in Exodus that says, worship the Lord your God and he will bless your food and your water. Why is that? Because sometimes your water ne sure needed to be blessed and sure needed to be touched by God because it wasn't good. Um, in fact, it could, it could poison people because it was so bad. Um, so let me continue reading um, this, this, uh, this point about how we define the word wine, okay? The truth is that the term wine, as used in the Bible, can refer to a fermented or unferment unfermented beverage, depending on the context. It can refer to either the fresh juice of the grape to be enjoyed as a blessing from God, or as a beverage warned against by God that can cause intoxication. Let me ask you this. If, if Paul was telling Timothy to have an intoxicating drink, 
that is a, a contradiction to everything that had come before it in regards to intoxicating drink. So you have to ask yourself the question, well, hang on a minute. Um, that wouldn't make any sense now, would it? If, if God warns so severely against, uh, listen to um, Proverbs 20 verse one, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. So that just, you could take just that verse alone and say, well, wait a minute, there's already a warning against this. What's Paul talking about? So again, you have to go in deep into the word, deep into the context, deep into the original language, um, the, the, the situation that the people were living in. Again, they didn't have taps where they turned on the water and it was nice, fresh water. I don't know, um, you know, specifically like what, what was wrong with Timothy. I mean, again, we, that's a whole other topic. Um, and I want to read verse 22. Listen to verse 22. This, this is so, it's so interesting the way that this is, um, uh, laid out. Just listen to this. Do not be hasty on the, in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Hmm. So Paul is saying in instruction, keep yourself pure. And then right after that, he's going to tell Timothy to drink an intoxicating wine? Mm. Something doesn't make sense. And again, we're talking about Bible interpretation. You never, ever take a verse in isolation. You never do that. You cannot do that. You will not know what a verse truly means if you take it in isolation. You have to look at what's coming before it. What's coming after it? What does the rest of the chapter say? What does the rest of the book say? What is the, what's the author's situation? What's his audience? What was their situation? Right? Is this, is this a, like I mentioned, is it a timeless truth? Is it culturally specific? You should really, you know, you should really sign up for GNU. Um, yeah. <laughs> I understand what you're saying, Steph. Yeah, he, there's obviously some kind of... Um, something that Timothy was sensitive to. We're not, we're not um, given any more information than that in the Word. Um, so you really should join GNU, take my class, and you'll be much um, more informed about how to interpret the Bible properly because it can, it can get people into a lot of trouble if they don't understand what they're reading, they think they understand, and they make big decisions based on it. You got to be careful. And look what comes after it. This is great. I mean, again, people point out, well, Paul said, Paul told Timothy to drink wine for his stomach. Look what it says in verse 24. The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment behind them. The sins of others, sorry, ahead of them, the sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are not obvious, and even those that are not cannot be hidden. It's like talking about sin, talking about being pure. And then he's going to throw in an instruction to drink an intoxicating beverage after the scripture warns against it repeatedly. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Let me read a few more verses. Let's go to Isaiah 16.10. Gladness and joy are taken away from the fruitful field. In the vineyards also there will be no cries of joy or jubilant shouting. No treader trades out, treads out wine in the presses, 
for I have made the shouting to cease. This passage speaks of wine as something treaded out in the presses directly from the the grape, and therefore, in a non-alcoholic state, it was a blessing of the Mediterranean world that brought joy because it was a refreshing alternative to water. Okay? Another important one. Um, Lamentations 2, verse 11 and 12. My eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because people are destroyed. Because children and infants faint in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, where is the bread and wine? As they faint like the wounded in the streets of the city, as their lives ebb away in their mother's arms. The wine spoken of in this passage is one that can be drunk by children and therefore was not an intoxicant. These and other verses show that there was a wine of biblical days that had nothing to do with being an intoxicant or something that would adversely affect judgment. The fresh unfermented juice of the grape was a sweet, refreshing alternative to water and enjoyed in that culture. However, the Bible also refers to a wine that is a strong drink and intoxicant. And with it are many warnings against its consumption. And I already read uh, Proverbs chapter 20 verse 1. Here's another one. Isaiah 5 verses 11 and 12. Woe to those who rise early in the morning, that they may pursue strong drink, who stay up late in the evening, that wine may inflame them. Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink. These verses clearly refer to a wine that we should have nothing to do with, as it invokes woe from the Lord himself. Lynn, yes, you can. You can. Um, So I believe... Oh boy, I don't know if anyone's watching who would know a better answer to this than me, but I I think um, the registration would probably start soon because we're coming to the end of the school year. Um, And then it would start up again in August. And then yes, you can take individual classes. Um, But now listen, not everybody. I know everyone's going to want to audit my class and I understand that. But we have space for all. Um, So... Those were just a few examples of different scriptures regarding wine and the different kinds of wine. Um, And how we have to, like I said, we have to be very careful not to just grab a verse or or grab a story and say, oh, well, this is what it means. Because really, and whether whether we we like to admit it or not, you know, we want um, a justification because we want to do what we want. And we want, oh, uh, you know, I'm not legalistic, you know, I'm not, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not wrong. If you're starting, (laughs) if you're starting your defense by saying, well, you know, it's not, it's not wrong, you know, Um, you know, everything's, uh, everything's uh, um, permissible, you know, if you're starting your argument with that, you're starting off a very shaky argument because I would rather study the word and say what what is beneficial to me what is there for me that's going to make my life better what's going to draw me closer to the lord not like that scripture in isaiah that invokes woe from the lord i don't want and i don't want to go anywhere near anything like that and let me read one more part um, of these notes that says some wine of the bible conferred a, can refer to both fermented and unfermented beverages we must 
uh, be careful not to assume alcoholic content in every context where the term wine is employed and attempt to use that as justification for drinking alcohol today. This is particularly true when we consider the fact that the wine of today is distilled and much higher in alcoholic content than even the strongest drink of biblical days. That is, I mean, think about that. It was specifically warned against, and it wasn't even as strong and as intoxicating as what you could find today. And you want to sit there, go to a restaurant and order a beer like you're some kind of cool guy? Sorry, but I don't, I don't see any scripture that says that, yep, that's what a Christian should be doing. And if you don't like that, I'm sorry, but that's what the scripture says. It's not me making it up. Why do you even want to go there? Why do you even want to tread there? Now, the second thing, the second um, justification or whatever, that's right stuff. And thank goodness for that. Um, why can't this? Oh, there we go. Okay, this is the second one. Yeah, you're right. You're right, John. It is. Because um, like I said, you know, there, there, are, there are a lot of athletes um, who make a decision. Oh, you like uh, Sheba? It's cabana season. What can I tell you? That have made a decision um, to not drink because they want to they wanna keep themselves at, um, at the highest level. And they don't even want to put anything that could be poison into their body, right? Um, yeah, that's right, Alessia. That's, that's a good point. Uh, let me read the comment because uh, the comments go away after, as we all know. Uh, there's a scripture in James that says, if you know what's right and you don't do it, you sinned in your heart. And, and I, I think a lot of people, what they end up doing, they know, but they're like, no, but you know, I'm not, I'm under grace, you know, I'm not under the law, you know, I'm free, I'm, I'm free in Christ. And you know, they'll say all kinds of things. And if that's how you want to live, go for it. But that's why I've explained, that's not how I want to live. I want to be set apart. I want to be consecrated to the Lord. I want my life to be about holiness, to be about purity in everything that I do. And so if there's something that's even remotely could possibly pull me away, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I don't care that, that, it, that it could be permissible, which I don't believe it is. I don't believe it is. Not from the study that, that I've, I've put forth to you guys, that I've studied on myself. And you guys, because you know, Pastor Steve said it yesterday. Go on your own, study it yourself, right? Test, test everything. Isn't that, isn't that what the word says? Test everything. You could be listening to me and say, no, I don't know. I don't think so. You're just being too strict. Okay, that's totally fine. Go ahead. Search the scriptures, study it, figure it out, and you'll have your answer. But don't go into it with a preconceived bias, with a bias that you already know what you want to find. And if you already know what you want to find, you might be able to find it. So let's go to the second thing, which is, that's right, Loretta. Uh, I touched on it uh, last week, talking about Jesus turning the water into wine. I want to read the whole story. Man, I'm doing great on time. There, I will finish this tonight. Hallelujah. Um, so let's go to John chapter 2, 
starting at verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was also there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine has, was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, we have no, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. <laughs> I agree, Steph. And that's, by the way, um, I, didn't, I haven't really been giving examples about, like, just in the natural sense, the, the destruction of alcohol. Um, and, but you could think of plenty things. Uh, plenty of things. Um, it never... <laughs> it doesn't lead to anything good. Well, let's keep reading. I love how Jesus speaks to his mother. Dear woman. <laughs> it's like, woman, please. What do you, what, leave me alone. It's not my time yet. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Me too, Joe. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the, the servants knew who had drawn, the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper drink after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in, in him. Now, um, Evangelist Jonathan always says this, and it makes me laugh. He's like, if you could turn on your tap and wine comes out of it, go ahead and drink all you want. Otherwise, don't do it. <laughs> so what he's trying to say is, you know, Jesus, if you could, if you could literally touch water, and it turns into wine. Well, that's a different story. Um, but let's talk about this kind of wine. And I touched on it last week, but I want to go over it again because it's, it's very important. Because, again, uh, this serves as, as a big justification, maybe the biggest one. Now, first of all, in verse 10, it says, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. Now, the assumption there is that they're, they've had too much to drink, and therefore they're drunk. But, you know, according to the note attached to that word, verse, it says not that they were drunk, but that they had drank freely. And let me explain this. Now, I don't know. Is this still a thing? Maybe, um, maybe you guys can help me. You guys are, are, are so smart and on top of things all the time. Because I always order uh, water when I go to a restaurant. Do they still do free refills? Is that a thing? Because there was, there was a time where you can order like a, a soft drink or something and you get free refills. So my husband, for example, he loves Pepsi. So he goes, orders a Pepsi. When he's done the Pepsi, the waiter comes, pours more Pepsi. Do they still do that? I have no idea. Because it kind of seems like um, they'd be too cheap to do that now. Depends where. No, some do. Um, not too much in Quebec. Jill, so basically what they're saying is, um, so, so basically, 
they're, they're essentially saying, wait, the restaurant near church does? Really? Which restaurant? Um, everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after. So in other words, um, once everybody's had, had enough to drink, then they'll bring the, 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 the cheap stuff in or the, the less good stuff. Um, but Jesus was kind of being like, hey, but you save the best for last. Um, the one where scores was, oh, what's it called? I know which one you're talking about, Steph. Um, but anyways, so sorry, the grillies, grillies. Thank you, Steph. Other Steph. Um, so picture this. So you're at a restaurant and you're having your free refills. There's only so much that you can have before you're like, I don't want any more. <laughs> I'm done. Like I, I, I might order an iced tea. I, I might have like a one and a half iced tea and then I'm like, I don't want any, anything else to drink. So when they're talking about um, when they've had too much to drink, it's not saying that they, they were all hammered. It's basically saying they had all drank as much as they wanted to. And then, you know, once that happens and you just bring out the, 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 the less expensive stuff. Um, so that, that's like how you have to look at this. Is this is not about them um, being drunk. Because why would Jesus... I mean, again, this is Jesus we're talking about. He knows the, the God's thoughts about alcohol, about intoxicating drink. He knows all of that. Why, why would he um, be like, oh yeah, we're just all, you know, we're just all going to drink a lot and, and get drunk. I mean, it's kind of, a, again, it's kind of a contradiction. So you have to look at this as uh, the reference according to the, the, the scripture here is referenced to Isaiah 65 verse 8, which says, as the new wine is found in the cluster and one says, do not destroy it for there's benefit in it. So I will act on, on behalf of my servants in order not to destroy all of them. This passage clearly um, agreed, Steph. This passage clearly describes wine as the fresh juice of the grape, as it exists in the cluster and therefore unfermented. This kind of wine is not an intoxicant or a drug, but a blessing from God. Um, so, because again, this is a Jewish wedding, is it not? Yeah, it is. I'll answer for you. And so if, if there was warnings throughout the scripture to the Jewish people about staying away from intoxicating drink, you, you have to kind of like put all these things together. Now, am I, am I telling you that no one had an intoxicating drink? I don't know. Maybe they did. But Jesus would not have as a miracle given... Um, um, a, a fermented intoxicating drink no way it's not possible it's not possible the juice of the grapes being called wine while still in the cluster shows that all wine referred here was not fermented or intoxicating you're right Jim I, I, I mentioned it last week when I was like a kid <laughs> when I was a kid uh, in the communion it was real wine and it was like um, you know, homemade wine, so, so strong, and it tasted terrible. I don't know how anybody enjoys that. Um, so I would say those are the two, um, most, 
well, they're not controversial to me because I understand them. But the two perhaps um, scriptures that kind of cause people to think, well, maybe it's okay. <laughs> Agreed, Jim. It was awful. Um, now, I mentioned, you know, earlier, I mentioned last week a lot of the time, you know, the reason why I've made these decisions is because I wanted to um, dedicate my life to the Lord and therefore be set apart. And if people set apart in the scripture, stayed away from alcohol, I wanted to do the same. And so you might be saying, well, now you're telling, yeah, maybe Steph, that, that, that could be, <laughs> um, you're telling us, don't do this, don't do that. Oh, you know, we're, we're free. Like, yeah, you're free. You are free to do what you want. But I'm going to show you now before we wrap up, um, the decisions that we should be making rather than asking ourselves, what can I do? That's clo so close. <laughs> I know Jill, I felt it. I'm like, somebody out there is thinking I made the wine for the communion. How dare you? Um, how, you know, how close can I get to the line without falling over the edge? That's not as Christians. That's not how you decide your life. That's not how you make your decisions. And I'm going to show you tonight from the word. You are, Steph, an honorary fratel. It's true. From the word, how to live, what we should be doing. Because again, this isn't, you know, Christianity is not, you know, yeah, I guess you could listen to a teaching like this and say, oh, it's all about the rules and you can't do anything. No, don't. If you look at it that way, it means your heart is not all in it. It means you're not in. Um, you know, Auntie Julia, it probably was. Um, but I, I'm talking about referring to the, those individual scriptures, what kind of wine it was talking about. And... Um, it, in the, in the, in Jesus's case and in, in Timothy's case, it was unfermented. Uh, Lynn, that means brother in Italian, because a lot of the times, um, when you didn't know somebody's name, you call them brother or sister. Cause then, and then, and you know, that's like the, um, respectful way. Um, so if you don't know somebody's name, you say, Hey sister, good to see you brother. Good to see you. Um, and I mean, even if, if, if drinking wine was like culturally accepted in other cultures, we're talking about what's accepted biblically according to God's instruction. I guess that would be the best way to look at it. That yes, I'm sure. And again, like I read before, the alcoholic content now is even higher than it was. And, and um, you know, alcohol now, I mean, just think about, think about this. Um, you're talking about, so, so Proverbs 20 verse one, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. Whoever's intoxicated by it is not wise. You could literally go off of that one verse and never need to read anything else. Yeah. It, that's what I'm saying, Steph. We're also talking about things, you know, the, the, the drinks that the alcohol that we have now is quite different. And it's extremely, I mean, you're talking about vodka or, or I don't even know what are drinks. Um, what's another one? Whiskey. I mean, those things again. Yeah. I think I've stated the case from the word as about as clearly as I, as I could. So let's talk about, 
All right, you don't want us to drink. What should we be doing? Okay, I'll let you know. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance to the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of, you, of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Friends, if God is warning you, do not drink intoxicating drink. Why would you ever do it? It doesn't even matter, even if, and it's not, but even if Jesus's wine was alcoholic or, or, or Paul was, even if, which it's not, but even if, God is clear in his instruction. Do not allow intoxicating drink to touch your lips. Because remember, you, your heritage might be Italian or Irish or who likes to drink a lot? British. You know, I, I, I knew someone who was, um, they're British. They were in Bible school with me and they're like, oh, everybody drinks. We have church in the pub sometimes. Well, let me ask you this question. <laughs> Who's, what, what, what culture are you a part of? Are you a part of the culture that happens to be um, what country your ancestors came from? Or are you a child of God? Are you a child of the Most High God? Are you now a new creation in Christ that you've put off your old self? Oh, we're Italian. No, you're children of God. You don't default to, 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 to the country that your ancestors came from. You default to who you now are in Christ, that you've been made new by the attitude of your minds to put on a new self, created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Why do you have wine? Well, you know, we're Italian. We were raised that way. No, you put off that old self. That's not your identity anymore. You have a new identity. You take on the identity of Christ Jesus. You take on the identity as a child, a, 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 an heir of Abraham, an heir to the promise. That's who you are now. Yeah, sure, your, your, your DNA, if you do the little, um, what are those tests? Uh, ancestry, which don't do it. They just want your DNA. Please don't do it. Oh, I'm Irish. I'm Scottish. I'm, I'm this. I'm that. Great. Cool. No, now when you're in Christ, you are a new creation. You know, further in that scripture in Ephesians, it says in verse 27, it says, do not give the devil a foothold. And I love that scripture because don't even open the door to anything that would possibly give the devil a foothold into your life that would possibly give 
him any uh, access to your life. Do not open the door. And according to the scripture, that is what alcohol does to you. You open the door and you l allow the devil to come in and to mess with you. Don't do it. Keep that door shut. Turn to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man. Listen, don't you want to know how to be blessed? Josie, I said I don't. I mean, look. Um, Maria, gluttony is also bad. There's a lot of things that are bad. This was specifically about alcohol. But there is a lot of things that are bad. That's why I'm talking about how we should live. Towards holiness. Put off all that stuff. Um, Josie, I'm going to tell you this. Personally, I don't want wine in my house. So therefore, I can't cook with it. Because I don't have it here. Um, like, yeah, Steph pointed out the alcohol evaporates, yes. But but I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want it in my house. I don't want it under my roof. I don't want it in my atmosphere. So that's, um, yeah, I guess. But again, Jim, does that even taste any good? <laughs> um, I don't know. If there's no alcohol in it, there's no alcohol. But again, I don't even want, you know, there's, back in the day, you know, ministers that I grew up um, following, like my uncle, for example, great man of God. He, there, there was something, yeah, of course, Maria, but, but th this, this study is specifically for just talking about alcohol specifically. Um, but I could, I could speak every week about different struggles there's a lot for sure um you know and they would have this thing called avoiding the appearance of evil they didn't even want to drink um you know when you go to a and w and you get like a mug of root beer lynn pointed it out root beer and it, it could look like alcohol they didn't even want they didn't even want anything near them that would even look like alcohol so a non-alcoholic beer i suppose that could they could be like oh what's what's jim drinking is jim drinking a beer let me tell you this. I don't want anybody to say of me. Uh, I saw Marcy, a picture uh, of Marcy in a restaurant. And it looked like there was a beer next to her. I would, If I'm out with people and they order drinks, which... Whatever. I don't, I, I'll push it. I don't want it in a picture near me. And I don't want something that even looks like it. But again, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about the decision that I have made. To not even come close to anything that even remotely resembles an alcoholic drink. So I hope that answered you. These are good questions. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man. Let's talk about what, what, what blessings are we looking for. Not what, what things we could do. Or is this wrong? Is it almost wrong? No. What's the blessing that comes from the Lord? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Or stand in the... Or stand in the way of sinners. Or sit in the seat of, of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Which yields its fruit in season. Whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. <laughs> Steph, if you want to drink apple juice. Um... Maria, this... this last week i i discussed it more in detail um that would be on my podcast 
because um, like this could be like a five-part series because then I'm never going to finish. Um, but I guess it's just for me, according to scripture, uh, God warns against all intoxicating drinks. So if it's intoxicating, whether it's one glass or whether it's 10 glasses, in God's eyes, it's all bad. I guess that's the best way to put it. And I read all the scriptures. This this is going to be on uh, my po- my second part podcast. Um, so I, I, I read all the verses. I explain everything. So what are the acts of the righteous according to Psalm 1? If you're taking notes, listen to this. Because you want to talk about, well, should I drink? Should I not drink? Here's the things we should be doing. Number one, delight in God's word. Number two, meditate on it day and night. Number three, consecrate yourself to obey God's word, to cleanse, to set yourself apart for holy use. Make, number four, make it your rule of life and conduct. Five, make God's word your standard of faith. Six, read it to gain knowledge and wisdom. Seven, feed on God's word to grow spiritually. Rosa, it's actually my personal podcast. Um, I'm going to share when I'm done tonight. And I have the podcast all loaded up. I'm going to share it on my personal story. Um, and then you could follow my podcast. You can see every week I do it. Um, uh, every week I, uh, I record the podcast. And I, I upload it. So if you're in the car and you want something interesting to listen to, feel free to download my podcast. Uh, so I will share it after. So those are seven acts of the righteous. Seven things that we should be doing. And so that's why I I made a decision where I'm like, I'm not interested in what can I do that's not, you know, it's, it could be kind of bad, but it's not really bad, but I don't want it to be too bad. No, I want to talk about what should I be doing to be blessed? What should I be doing to please the Lord? What should I be doing to, 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 to give him glory, to, to set apart my life? And that's why I base my life decisions on the word on on those seven things meditate on the word delight yourself in god's word feed on god's word and 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 it'll tell you what to do and what not to do right it'll tell you all those things and then you'll know um what is profitable for life and godliness i do carol i do because again it's not me uh, telling you what you should do and telling you how you should live and don't do this. You know, like I said, no one's going to go to hell because you had a glass of wine. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Although sometimes you read some of these scriptures and you could, you could argue that it is a sin just to have one glass. But again, I went, I went through all the verses, um, already, but there's a responsibility to teach the full counsel of God's word, whether it's what we like or what we don't like. On a brighter note, it is much brighter outside. It looks like the storm has passed for now, which is great. Now let's pray. Because that was like maybe the fastest hour that's ever gone by. Um, (laughs) And I told you this was just going to be two parts. Um, So let's pray. And then we're going to play a really fun game. Um, You guys are going to love it. Father, I thank you for these that are listening. I thank you that their desire is to learn more about you, that their desire is to learn more about your word, that their desire is to follow you and to live for you. Father, I pray. Um, 
I pray that that you would uh, um, um, guide them through your spirit, that you would guide them into all truth, that anything that they're unsure about, that they could go to your word and find the wisdom from your word, to find the wisdom to understand how to live, to understand how to operate, to understand how to make decisions. Father, I pray that they would always know and remember that they need to to meditate and feast on your word and you will guide them into all truth and you will guide them into what is profitable for life and godliness thank you lord that for everyone who's made a decision to be set apart to be holy and to be righteous and to live for you and to let nothing give the devil a foothold in their life and father i pray for every single person watching tonight, that tonight they will have the best sleep they ever had, that they will uh, uh, wake up feeling refreshed, that they will wake up filled with the joy of the Lord. Father, I pray if there's anybody listening, who might have a struggle in a certain area that they're not sure how to get over it. We're thankful, Lord, that we don't have to clean up ourselves up and then we can come to you, but rather we can come to you and you clear out all the impurity that doesn't belong there, all the impurity that would go against your word, that you, that, that you would be able to, through your spirit to cleanse us from things that don't belong there for things that might have a grip on us, for things that might be an an area of struggle, that that moment that we come to Christ and we say, Father, I am giving my life to you. I am following Jesus all the days of my life and the infilling of the Spirit will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.